This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 411. And the quote of the day is, if you want to succeed, you should strike out on new paths rather than travel the worn paths of accepted success. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here, episode 411. And it's an amazing concept, or it's an amazing uh, thing that's happening here with episode 411. And you will hear why in a second when John and I talk about the number 11 and the significance it has in, in John's life. And after we recorded this, I sent him a text and I said, you're never going to believe this, but you're episode 411. Pretty cool. We talk about it all in here. This is the third time I've had him on the podcast, and he's the only person who's ever been on the podcast three times. I had him way back in 2014 as a standard interview, and then we did a check-in on the road when he was on the road with Stevie Wonder. So we talked about what it was like playing with Stevie Wonder and also playing with... Um, with Stanley Randolph. There was two drummers on that gig. And so this one is a little bit different. We talk about the changing of seasons. We talk about John going down a new path and not touring as much. He wants to get into more of educating the youth. He wants to mentor the up and coming drummers. He wants to do some different things that he hasn't done in the past. He's been touring at the highest level for the last 30 years. So he is looking at getting into different things. And we get a little bit, I mean, we get pretty deep. We get deep on the idea of manifesting things into your life, about the significance of of things that are going on, about positivity, about balance, about all these different things that we don't talk about a lot. We talk about on the podcast, but we don't get that deep on them all the time. And John does a great job at doing that. So if you want to check out the other episodes that I had John on, those are episodes 37 and 77, which is crazy because seven and 11 are both lucky numbers too. There's some weirdness going on. All right, let's get deep with Lil John Roberts. Lil John Roberts, my man, what's happening, buddy? Nick, what's up, bro? Good to talk to you again, man. It's good to talk to you. So check this out. So uh, I had you on the podcast. I'm looking back at when I had you on here the first time. I had you in May of 2014, right? Wow. And then November of 2014, you were the first person to ever be on the podcast twice. Woohoo! Now you're the first person <laughs> to ever be on it three times. Nice. Setting the trend here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So That's what's uh, up, man. we got it. What's your what's your number eleven? Don't you have a thing with elevens? Yeah, man. For the last probably seven or eight years, that number has followed me. Uh, one eleven, eleven eleven. You know, and I finally researched it back then and found out what it. You know, those things mean. It was angel numbers that basically telling you to you know zone in on whatever it is that's going on in your life and you know manifestations. Uh, if you ever go on Google and just type in numerology number, you know, 111 or 11 or any multiples of one, you'll see that those are like angel numbers. So it had it had a lot of significance for me at, at that time in my life because I was going through a lot of things and, and like, you know, it was basically angels and God, you know, speaking to me and showing me which way to go and what to do at that time. And, you know, it really helped me get through 
some some crazy times in my life. Interesting. Yeah, and, and so I had to share it with everybody. Now everybody's posting things about 11-11 and one eleven. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. <laughs> well, there's this other thing I've talked about on the podcast before. It's called, it's a fancy name, but it's called your reticular activator. And it's the idea of like, if you buy, you know, an Acura TL and you never see them on the road and then you buy one and then you see them everywhere, right? Exactly, right. <laughs> so now, like, I'm wondering, now that you know the significance of the of 11, 111, all that kind of stuff, now you're so in tune to it, you, you, I'm sure you see it everywhere. Everywhere, man. Yeah. Oh, but, but actually, lately, I haven't been seeing it maybe once or twice here and there, but, like, not as much as I was seeing it, like, like a, a few years ago or whatever, like, you know, like, like like you said, when you buy that car and you start seeing a bunch of cars, after a while you stop seeing those cars too. Yeah, yeah, yeah that makes sense. <laughs> they just I was, get buried in with the rest of them. Exactly. I always see ten twenty for some reason. Every time I look 10, at the clock 20. and all that, like I'm gonna, I gotta look it up. Yeah, yeah, look that up. I'm sure there's some significance there. I'm sure if you break it down to ten and then you break it down to twenty, actually those are my numbers on roulette. I play those numbers at at the at the casino, bro. Really? <laughs> yeah, man. Well, I may have hit. to go to the casino with you and play some. T- I'll let you. I'll yeah. give you the money and you play them because it works for you. <laughs> Yo, I got a good system with roulette, man. Like, you know, I've won as much as twenty five hundred dollars, like in Detroit one time, off a hundred dollars, man. Like, really? Usually, if if you go to a casino that's not as upscale, you know, like MGM or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to like Greek Town in Detroit, so the, the you know that casino's not as updated as some of these others right man i was racking up so hard <laughs> man <laughs> they were trying to buy me drinks they were like you know we, we have a suite here you want to stay i'm like nope I'm, nice. give me my money i'm out of here yeah i'm out of here <laughs> they want you to stay because they know you're going to spend it <laughs> exactly and that's the thing when you gamble man you got to walk away once you hit that once you hit that that good you know quote that that good few hundred dollars or a few grand you know yep. you just gotta walk away <laughs> man i won i was playing hold'em years ago and i won about eight hundred dollars on a hand and i was like i'm done i'm leaving and i like i was gonna play one more hand and i put it and i got i forget what i got i got like pocket aces or something or pocket kings and flop came out and i had a full house and i go all in as soon as i say i'm all in the guy next to me is like i call and i knew I was like, I'm done. Toast. He took everything from me. One hand. Oh, see? <laughs> That's how they get you. That's it. Done. Uh, so this is the the gambling podcast now. We're going uh, to get into <laughs> strategies about how to... Yeah. How you as drummers can win money on the road. Like, right. <laughs> uh, so let's... I want to talk about... So I know I saw that you made an announcement. So you have... Are you... You got a new gig now? No, not a new gig, but a new chapter in my life that I'm that I'm moving on to um you know I've been touring for pretty much 30 years now at this point Mm -hmm. and um you know I'm just kind of tired of the tour life Mm -hmm. not that I'm tired of of traveling and playing and stuff but really just like being away for long periods of time and riding on a tour bus every day and you know just a lot of that stuff I'm really just trying to make a transition into another phase in my life now. Not that I'm take, you know, not playing anymore or anything like that, but now I've been moving more into the educational side of 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 music, like teaching a lot of kids. I have so many students now. Um, especially like in Atlanta when I come home, I have about 15 students in Atlanta that I rotate nice. when I come home off the road or whatever or, you know, my schedule cleans up some. 
Um, and I just see like a, 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 a spot that I can fit in with teaching the next generation, you know, mm-hmm. not just as, as a, as a, as a, as a teacher with lessons, but like as a developer or mentor, you know, and I've been doing a lot, I've been doing that for years anyway. Like, right. you know, you know, my, my story with Spanky and, and cats like that when mm-hmm. they were 10 years old, 12 years old, like I'm doing that again, <laughs> 20, 30 years later, but it's just in a different, in a different way. So I'm doing lectures in colleges. I'm, I'm going to camp music camps and, you know, I'll play some and I'll talk to them. It's, but more so, it's not just about the playing for me these days. I just did a clinic not too long ago with uh, Chris Coleman and Nissan Stewart and um, Devin Taylor, mm-hmm. who's just taking over the scene now. Um, but me and Nissan, we went to dinner the night before and we had a lot to talk about, you know, just our careers and what we've done up until this point and what's next for us, you know, because we feel like be, I'm 46 years old now. He's kind of close to my age, too. Right. And. Um, we feel like, you know, playing drums is not the end all be all, you know, and we've, it, it's crazy for me to say that because all my life I've done nothing but play drums and for a living, right. but you get to a certain point in your life. And I've talked to Harvey Mason and all kind of, you know, legendary drummers about this as well. And they feel the same way that, you know, you have to find other avenues to uh, express yourself and make a living. You right. know, right. I've been for all these years i've been making a living you know session drummer tour drummer live drummer you know drums 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 and it's like okay what else can you know can i offer you know to the community outside of just playing drums and teaching other people how to play drums but how to you know manage your businesses and how to you know just everything that has to do with the music business you Mm -hmm. know outside of just beating a drum Right. So this stage of my life now, you know, I've had some offers to teach uh, in different places. I'm, I'm actually still going back and forth with my old uh, college, Berkeley College of Music, which is the top of my list at this point is uh, is where I would li- love to, um, you know, plant myself and help out the next generation. Every time I go to Berkeley, if I'm in town playing in Boston or whatever like that, I go there and I do a lecture or I'll do a clinic or whatever. And, you know, I'll walk through the school, I'll go to the ensembles, hang out with the kids, they see me, they're like, yo, little John, what's up, you know? And I'm just seeing the impact that I have on these kids said to me, like, yo, I need to really think hard about this, you know, this position that I have where I am in my life, Mm -hmm. and take advantage of it. So that's where I'm moving into now. Um, uh, This this last Janet run that's going on right now, I decided not to do that. Um, Mike Reed is a good friend of mine. He's an amazing drummer. So we got him to, uh, take my spot. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think she's going out for like a month and a half or whatever like Mm -hmm. that. But I I just finished playing with Queen Latifah, who's a good friend of mine. And, you know, just, I'm just doing things that I want to do at this point. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. You know, and you know, yes, it's a sacrifice as far as financially, you know, I could be making, a certain amount of money for the next month and a half with Janet or whatever. But, you know, I'm cool with where I'm at right now. It's not like I'm broke or, you know, not have any money or whatever like that. But the sacrifices that I'm making right now, I think are going to be much greater for me in the future. Sure. So the things that I'm doing at this point right now is like amazing to me. And I love the place that I'm at right now. Like, you know, just as a person, That's as, you know, spot, as man. peaceful, 
you know, I'm doing what I want to do. I'm, I'm doing some things around town in Atlanta, like with some of my band members that I like to play with here and just having fun, man. Mm-hmm. I love it. I, I, I think that's, I think that's important. And once you finally get to that point and, and because it, it takes a while to figure that out. Right. So you got to like, you're like, all right, should I make this decision? You sort of toy, you know, you're, you're struggling with all these different decisions that you can make. But then once you get sort of focused on that idea or you understand exactly what it is you want to do, it's like, man, everything, and not, not that it becomes easy, but it, it feels easier. Right. Right. Exactly. And, and you're putting, pouring more into your own career, you know, mm-hmm. like I love supporting other people's stuff. You know, I've been doing that for a long time. And then, you know, that's why I went ahead and did my first record finally after, you know, 20 something years of not doing anything for myself. And actually, when I put that record out, I was still touring with Neo at the time. Um, and then after that, I went out with Stevie Wonder. And then after that, Janet went back out again. So still, I, I never had a chance to really um, uh, promote my, my, my own album. I did like maybe five or six shows in like D.C., Philly. Atlanta. Um, I haven't done LA yet. I haven't done New York yet. So, you know, those are things that I, that I put back on the back burner that I still want to, you know, continue and, and, and pick up from, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. <clears throat> it's, uh, it's, so it's always good to, to invest in yourself. Oh, uh, I agree with you on that. Uh, you know, there's, a, there's this interesting thing that, and I would love to get your opinion about, about us as drummers, where we have this weird thing that like if we're not 100% focused on playing the drums like if we have other hobbies or activities or other things that we love or other things that we do then we somehow like we feel guilty about it and like we think the drum gods are going to like come down and and strike us dead for like being into other shit man i think doing other things actually inspires you to play better <laughs> yeah because like for a while i didn't want to see a drum set i didn't want to hear a drum you know like mm-hmm. it just got that deep that and i know other cats have been through that before like you get that block you know i know other musicians have been through it besides drummers or other artists like some some artists will take off for like years you know because they're just not inspired anymore or a writer can get writer's block you know but you I, you just got to find ways to other ways to be inspired mm-hmm. you know and i think take walking away you know i took a vacation finally last year uh, at the end of the year after janet's tour i went to the bahamas for like six days and my god i was like whoa i forgot what it felt like to just not do nothing right you know right <laughs> and, actually, and, and be okay with three, it you know what i mean exactly like, and then after, but after the first three days i was like yo I'm, i need to do something <laughs> <laughs> so i realized that six days is kind of long for me to take a break right <laughs> Because, right. I, I mean, I'm just used to doing something all the time, like proactive. Like, I don't sit on my butt for long, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm like, OK, I got to go to the studio. I got to go do this show here. I got to do this there. But, man, I hadn't been on a vacation in like since about 2008. So about 10 years I hadn't been on a vacation, you know, wow. and I was like, whoa, this is this isn't healthy. You know, you you got to take breaks sometimes and just do some other stuff, man. So now. I love the simple things in life. I like going to play miniature golf. I go to the movies occasionally, you know, a lot. I love to just go to the movies and just, you know, just recharge and just chill, man. Mm-hmm. And then come back, play. I'm, I'm fresh again. You know, I'm, I'm feeling another way about myself. And, 
it doesn't feel like I'm forcing myself to play drums because I have to or whatever. Like, right. That should be something that you're doing because you love to do it, not because you have to. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, yes, we have to work and, and make money and all like that. But there's got to be a balance there somewhere, bro. Man, it's such a it's such a, a breath of fresh air to hear you say that, because I know that for myself, I went through the same thing. Like when I started Drummer's Resource, I, I was coming out of like uh my family's in the restaurant business, long story, but I was like, I just want to focus on music and drumming and all that. Right. So I started drummers resource, but then all day it's like drums, 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 and drums, and then drums, drums, drums. Right. (laughs) And then I'm done. And I'm like, all right, now I got to go practice. And after a while I got to the point where I was the same way you were, where I was like, I don't give a shit about the drums. I'm like, I don't want to look at them. I don't want to play them. I don't want to talk about them. I don't want to hear them. I don't want to do anything. And you'll get burnt out, man. And you'll sound like it. You'll sound like it too. Yeah. You know, you'll start playing the same shit over and over. And, you know, you just don't have no life Mm -hmm. because you don't have no life. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) You got to live, man. And like, go do some things. Go hang out with some friends that you really love and go hang out with some family or, you know, go to. I went to Six Flags last week before I went to New Orleans. I had a ball. I was like a big kid, man. (laughs) I hadn't been on a roller coaster in like years. Me and my daughter went one time while she was in high school. And she's in Howard University now. So, you know, we, you know, I hadn't been at a amusement park since the last time I took her. Wow. So I, I really realized like, wow, this is fun, man. Yeah. <laughs> I went on, I went on one roller coaster like three times. <laughs> <laughs> it was called Goliath. I don't know if y'all know what Goliath is at, at Six Flags, but that thing is crazy, man. <laughs> I, you know what, man? I haven't been on, I probably haven't been on a roller coaster in 20 years. Oh man, you gotta do it, bro! I, I swear you'll be like a big kid. I, you know? I'm sure I will. I'll be <laughs> screaming like a baby too. Yeah, man. I'm but sure. all those things inspire you, man, and yeah. it makes you feel better. And then when you sit down back at a kid again, you're like, "Whoa! Oh my God, this snare sounds great!" Or you know, these cymbals sound amazing. It's just like you just got a whole nother love for what you've already been doing for a while, but then you took a break from it and then you came back and you appreciate it even more. Yep. Um, I just, I already, I went through that, uh, you know, now I'm like practicing again because I want to, not because I feel like I have to, or like, and I'm like, man, I can't wait to get in there tomorrow and work on this thing. Or, you know, it's like, you need that. You definitely need that, that recharge. And, and I like, I'm getting out of what you're saying is like, you can't be, you can't feel guilty about like stepping away from the kit and, and getting burned out and all that stuff because it happens to, to the best of us and just step away for a while, get re-inspired and go back in. Yeah, man, go paint or something. Go get a coloring book. (laughs) Go ride a roller coaster. Yo, coloring books are very therapeutic. I don't know if you know that, but I mean, the simple, like I said, the simplest things, man, like me and my son, we went to a restaurant and, uh, and they, you know, they had coloring books and all that kind of stuff. Dude, I asked them for a coloring book for myself, too. <laughs> they have adult coloring books. Yeah. yeah. And we're just sitting there. We're just filling in the, the, the little characters and stuff. And I'm like, man, this is so fun. <laughs> <laughs> the simplest thing is a coloring book. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Whatever, whatever sort of gets you out of like, I don't know, like the rat race, you know, of just like do, 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 do. And it has to be this specific thing. And it's like, man, just, you got to live a little, let yourself yeah. live. Man, I've, I've been doing some shows lately with like some of my partners that I went to Berkeley with. Uh, Richie Goods is one of them. 
awesome bass player. We, we were at Berkeley at the same time. We actually had like this kind of Herbie Hancock type band mm -hmm. together. It was me, him and Jeff Lockhart and um, Anthony Wanzi was playing Rhodes and uh, you know, Melvin Butler was the sax player. And man, like that band was just so amazing. We used to play at Wally's and all that stuff in, in the city in Boston. Mm -hmm. But he had called me because I played on some of his, his solo record. And then he hit me and was like, John, man, I would love to, you know, do some of these shows live if we could make it happen. I'm like, yeah, let's do it, bro. And so we've scheduled, you know, through the through the last few months, we've done probably about six shows. And it's been awesome, man, just playing some other music, being able to express yourself some more. Like I haven't been able I haven't been able to like play uh like jazz uh like I used to or fusion or that kind of, you know, funk jazz kind of stuff. In a while, like my band was based around at the Chronicle, and which we just had a reunion recently that was amazing here in Atlanta. Um, matter of fact, Sput flew down just so he could see see that band because he'd seen heard so many tapes of us back in the day, but it never seen us live. Oh, really? So he's like, he's like, man, I'm flying down. I got to see the Chronicle live, man. I got to see this. <laughs> <laughs> so it was cool, man. That's crazy. I just said his name and his his text. He just texted me. Really? And Spanky just just called me. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's that kind of eleven eleven type yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, about. yeah, yeah. Yep. But um, yeah. I mean, that's just universal stuff going on right there, man. When you you know you speaking things into existence, and then they show up like this just now. Dude, but, I had a dream last night that I was driving around with my business partner talking about something, and this morning she sent me a message, and it was the same conversation we had last night in the dream. See, bro, your words like, are powerful, man. I mean, those dreams are just as powerful. But when you start speaking things, man, like that's why I tell people, yo, be positive, talk positive, speak positive, mm -hmm. you know, like because that thing, that stuff follows you, man. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a big advocate of, of those things and being sensitive to the universe and what you put out there. And, you know, you say, hey, man, I want to make a million dollars by next year. You keep saying that over and over and over again. Sooner or later, that thing might happen, mm -hmm. you know, or will happen because yeah. you're putting it out there into the universe. Or you're saying, oh, man, I suck, man. I can't play drums like him. Or, man, I, I'm just not a good drummer. You can't keep talking about yourself like that. You right. got to speak positive affirmations to yourself. Yes, I'm a good drummer. Mm -hmm. Yes, I can do this gig. Yes, I can do that. Yes, I can do that. You know, you're, you're, you're basically telling your mind and, your, and everything around in your cipher, in your universe, that you can actually do what it is that you say you can do. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at Will Smith's. IG man, he's always posting affirmation uh, uh, videos of affirmations. Man, I love he's that the, dude. He's the best man. You know, I got to get back with Will, man. We used to have a lot of fun back in the day when we when I used to play with him and Jazzy Jeff. Actually, I'm getting with Jazzy Jeff in August. He does a thing called the Playlist Party. Uh, it's a special invite situation, but he's put out a few records from that mm -hmm. retreat that he does at his house, and I'm really looking forward to that because me and Jeff used to do a lot of studio sessions. Where like, you know, I brought musicians in and that's how a lot of that stuff conjured up in Philly as far as like the records with like Jill Scott and different people like that. Because me and Jeff had became friends and I brought like all the church cats uh, to his studio, you know, to jam with him and stuff. Because, right. you know, he's always been a fan of live musicians and stuff. So, <clears throat> you know, was... this will be... Mm -hmm. What was the thing? And I remember talking to Chuck Treese about this a while ago. There was, wasn't there something like the, it was the Black Widows? Uh, Black Lily. Black Lily. And was didn't John Legend have something to do with that? 
Um, he might have sat in with it, but it was more so Quest and the Roots that that started that movement. Okay, I thought, man, I thought to do was something with with John Legend and so, anyway. And it, oh um, well, you know, well John wasn't in Philly at that time, so that's I, I was gone. I was gone from Philly in '91 because I went, right. I left to go to school, and I was coming back and forth every now and then just to come hang out and, and see what was happening in the, in the city. But I missed a lot of that movement. You know, like mm-hmm. I caught a few of those jams and stuff. I sat in with Amir and all the cats that was James and all the cats that were playing there. But I wasn't in the city when all of that was happening. So John was probably an intricate part of it as well, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Listen, if you haven't already, I recommend checking out the new Sonar SQ-1 series. First of all, they're made out of birch. So what that does is give you balanced low, mid, and high range tuning. Second, they have a sound sustainer system. And what this does is it completely separates the metal hardware from the wooden shell. It is metal on rubber. And they actually borrowed this technology from the car manufacturers. And third, this may be my favorite part, but the colors and styles of legendary classic cars were the inspiration for the color collection for the SQ-1 series. So they're four matte lacquer surfaces, and they make these kits look beautiful. So they look beautiful. And they sound amazing. Check them out by going to sonar.com. You know, you may sit at the back of the stage, but you know the band revolves around you. Why? Because you set the tempo, the intensity, and most importantly, the tone. And the easiest way to set the tone is to play Evans Drumheads with Level 360 technology. They're trusted by industry-leading drummers like Chris Coleman and Anika Niles. Evans Drumheads offer the most consistent fit for every drum for max tunability all around. Plus, they take you well beyond the normal tuning ranges for higher highs and lower lows. So now the sound you want will always be the sound you get. Check out Evans Drumheads with Level 360 technology by going to evansdrumheads.com. Now let's get back into it with my man, Lil John Roberts. Let's rewind back a little bit. You you brought up Will Smith. I actually I talk about Will Smith a lot on the podcast. Only be, I don't know if it's because I'm from Philly and like, but I've always followed a lot of the stuff that he's done. And he, I mean, th- I wrote a whole article about how he inspired me to start Drummers Resource, which is like a, a long convoluted story. Uh, but but the stuff where you're talking about the positivity, speaking things into existence, manifesting the things. I remember a video of him saying, you know, you decide who it is you want to be how you're going to get there. And from there you do what you need to do. And you just, you do those things. Absolutely. Uh, so talk, tell me, talk to me about like some of the stuff that, that you've done, or do you have like certain practices that you do? Like, or do you have, do you do stuff in the morning as do you do affirmations or do you have, you know, some, some positivity practice? Because I think that, I think on the on the surface, it seems like a little woo woo y and seems out there, but I 100 and 10% totally agree and believe that that shit is real. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know what it is, but I think it's real. Well, you're basically every morning when I get up, I mean, it's not a, it's not a words affirmation thing for me, but when I wake up, I, I move over to the side of my bed. I sit on the side of my bed and I think about what it is that I want to do that day, what it is that I want to accomplish, how I want to feel, you know, like you basically you're 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 uh, predicting what your day is going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, right. um, you know how people say make it a great day. Mm-hmm. That's for real. Like you can make it make yourself have a great day or you can conjure yourself up to have a bad day. 
You know, you can start off your day and you go on social media right when you wake up and just start seeing all these negative things and, you know, whatever it is that you're feeding your, 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 your soul and your mind and your heart and all like that early. Like the first thing of the day, first of all, get up and brush your teeth. <laughs> and then drink some water, right? right. You know, because your organs have been dry through the night. You, you haven't had any, any type of, you know, uh, uh, water in your system. So, right. you know, the Japanese are real serious about that. They, they wake up in the morning and the first thing they do is they have a cup of, uh, a, a war, cup of water. You know, and I've learned that a long time ago to do that just to get your organs moving and, and you know, feeding your organs with, with, uh, with, with water and oxygen. Um, but I wake up, man, and I think about what it is that I want to accomplish that day. Um, I think about how I want to feel, you know, which we really have to be serious about that because, you know, any little thing could throw things off, mm-hmm. you know, for the whole day to be screwed up. You know, if I have a show that day, you know, last week for, for New Orleans, we, we had some challenges playing at the Superdome. Um, you know, a lot of things were, were crazy when we got to soundcheck. A lot of things were crazy the day before when we were rehearsing, mm-hmm. uh, as far as like, you know, getting levels and things like that and rehearsal and all, you know, you dealing with pro tools tracks and, you know, zeroing them out and making sure everything's level. Right. And, you know, you only have a little bit of time to really get all that done. We had a guest artist, Missy and, you know, uh, Brandy and all of them. So we had a lot to accomplish in like eight hours, you know, mm-hmm. and then you got Leaf Latifah's coming in and out because she has a, a crazy schedule at the Essence Festival. So she comes in during the day, she leaves, she comes back with her at night. We do a run through the next day. We got to get to sound check and, you know, it's mayhem going on and you're in the Superdome, which sounds like crap, <laughs> you know. So if you don't have a good monitor mix in, in a place like the Superdome, you are fucked. <laughs> you could put a bleep on that. You are screwed, you know. So and we got through that show, but we had some very serious um, um, uh, issues and, you know, that we had to just play through. You know, Adam Blackstone mm-hmm. was there with us. And we, you know, we got through it and had a, still had a great show. But your your mindset has to be ready to deal with, you know, some uh, obstacles that might come that you not <clears throat> may not be prepared for. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, yeah, in the morning, you know, I'm already in my mind trying to put things out into the universe that this is going to be a great day, regardless of what happens. You know, the obstacles that we're going to come into, because I know we're going to have some obstacles at this place today. Right. You know, because I played in the dome plenty of times and I know what that's like. Um, But regardless of what we were dealing with, we got through it and it was still a successful show. It wasn't nothing that crashed and like, oh, my God, you see it on video where something went wrong. Like nobody would have known that we were dealing with a screwed up mix at that show. Right, 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 right. And you, can, so, I'm yeah. sure that you can sit there and you can complain about the mix. You can complain about the schedule. You can complain yeah. about this. You can complain. But what's it that going to do? It doesn't do what you is that going to help? Right. <laughs> so I, man, even, I hate complaining. Oh my! I, th- I think that's my worst. Uh, that's my biggest pet peeve is complaining. Yeah, I, man. Like, what is it. complaining going to do to help anything? Nothing. You know, try to try to see the 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 positive side out of everything. You know, mm-hmm. okay, this is going bad, but we'll still get through it. You know, right. So. so in addition to what I what I was saying about waking up in the morning and, mm-hmm. and just setting the tone for your day, sometimes I do chakra meditations, um, and you can you can find those on on YouTube anywhere. There's a bunch of them. Just pick one that that you know resonates with you, 
And basically, you know, if nobody knows what chakras is, you have seven chakras in your body um, that are energy points that need to be illuminated, you know, and if one chakra could be off, you know, it could throw your whole system, your body system off. It could throw your balance off. It could throw your mood off, you know. So sometimes I'll go and, and pull up a YouTube uh, uh, a video for just chakra balancing and just, you know, listening to the affirmations. Um, I like listening to positive speakers as well. Um, uh, I forgot her last name, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham. This is lady. She she does like four agreements and things like that. So you could check out the four agreements and you'll hear her talking about those things and just hearing what she has to say. Uh, the affirmations that she's talking about just gives you other ways to think about life and situations that you could be dealing with. We are not talking about drums today, man. <laughs> no, that's uh, that's fine. You you and I have talked a lot about drums on the last two episodes. Yeah, but this you know stuff what, is so man, all important, of this, man. All of this will help you, man, like centering, because mm -hmm. like for a while I was dealing with even to this day, I'm still dealing with like making sure that I'm centered when I'm playing. You know, I've been going through like balancing things and just trying to make sure you're sitting right. No, mm -hmm. Man, all of that has to has to do with your chakras, you know, your sacrum, the bottom of your spine, you know, mm -hmm. like uh, you have to be in alignment, you know, and, um, you know, sometimes I'll just sit on my throne and, and just without the drum set and just center myself and I'll, I'll focus in on where my centering is. And then I'll set up my drums around how I feel from how I'm sitting on my seat. I sit on some cats drum sets, man. And I'm like, yo, how do you play like this? Your balance <laughs> is off. Like all of your body is shifted to the left or right. all of your body is shifted to the right. Or your hi-hat is so close to, you know, to the front and your, your kick drum pedal is way out past the hi-hat pedal you know like right. that's not balanced if you know when you stand when you sit okay so the drum stuff now if you sit on your throne and you put your feet down uh wherever your feet are falling which normally should be parallel to each other mm -hmm. you know you're not you don't your left foot is not behind your right foot's heel right. you know what i'm saying right, right, right. and a lot of cats i see play like that where they have the hi-hat closer to them further away from the bass drum pedal I don't understand that theory because that's not how you sit uh, naturally when you sit on the seat, you know? Mm -hmm. So what you do, you, you know, I, you know, I know cats probably know this, but for the people that don't know, you know, sit on your throne and wherever your feet are landing naturally, that's where your pedals should fall. Yep. yep. You know, I mean, you watch some of these, the greatest uh, double bass players, and that'll show you right there. Like their, their feet are exactly parallel if you, if you if they get off their drum set and you look down on their set you'll see their pedals are exactly parallel to each other from the seat mm -hmm. yep but all of those things balance man that that helps all of the balance for for when you get you know when you go to play you know how do you get your sound from your cymbals all of that stuff is coming from your body and and onto the drums. The drums aren't playing you. You're playing the drums. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so, or, if, you know, you, or if you're all screwed up, then the drums are playing you. The drums are playing you, which happened to me for a minute. You know, I was fighting my drums. And I was like, yo, this is not right. So I had to, you know, really reassess, you know, what I was doing with my setups and all that kind of stuff. Dave Weckl has a great online uh, lesson out now that I actually went on and, and checked it out, man. He's, you know, Dave Ruckel has always been, you know, on a search for 
er, the ergon, the cor most correct ergonomic way to playing drums. You know, right, right. Um, I got a chance to hang out with my boy Fish from Fishbone last week while I was in L.A. And uh, we got together and he came over. Fish got me sitting probably three or four inches higher than what I was sitting before. Really? And it's it's made it's done wonders for my back and everything like my legs because I was sitting too low. I'm six two. You know, for yeah. a shorter guy, you know, parallel might be cool for a shorter guy. But even for a shorter dude, you know, I know you're shorter than me, Nick. Mm -hmm. um, I'm shorter than everybody, John. <laughs> <laughs> People are like, are you taller? Than I'm like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> but if I sit behind your kit, automatically I know I'm going to have to raise the seat because I'm I'm 6'2", and you're how, how tall are you? 5'7", if the humidity is right. Man, all of that plays a part in, in, in your ergonomic playing mm -hmm. and, and playing comfortably. So Fish came to my rehearsal just to come hang out with me. And then I went to his studio the next day and just played some drums. We had a ball with some of his students. Um, but he came to my studio, uh, rehearsal studio, you know, before we started, we came in, went in really early and, and he took my seat. First thing he did, rolled my throne up. Like <laughs> he swirled it probably about five or six times. I was like, whoa. Because <laughs> I had never really played that high before. He was like, trust me, this is going to help you a whole lot. You know, because I saw how you were playing. You were sitting too low and, you know, you're putting stress on your hips. And, you mm -hmm. know, it's, I'm sure it's hurting your lower back. And so I sat down on the, on the throne. I was like, okay, this feels really high, but I'm trusting you. And then we raised pretty much everything that I was, that my set, where it was the day before. And when I got to play in rehearsal that day, man, it felt like night and day. You know, really? so, yeah, higher than parallel is good. You know, some people huh. say, oh, no, I like being parallel to the floor and all. Mm -hmm. Not really, man, because you're still lifting your legs and your hips to, to play the beat, you know, play your uh, pedals. Mm -hmm. When you're already high, you know, you're basically pushing down instead of picking your leg up. Right. So already right. you're already ready to strike the bass drum or, or, or you know, play the hi-hats. You're and you're holding your weight on the seat better that way. Mm -hmm. You know, you're you're fighting against gravity when you're when you're parallel or lower than parallel. And then that's where you'll have to use more ab. You have to use more your lower back, which eventually is going to hurt you. You mm -hmm. know, if you look at Tommy Lee, like I've sat behind Tommy Lee's drums before. And he's taller than me. His seat is almost down to the floor. I don't know how he does that. What? <laughs> but, you know, Tommy's a freak, you know, yeah. and, and and Tommy is really very fit, too. He's he's very physically fit. So, um, you know, I know he's working harder to play, but I think if he, if he raised his seat, it probably he would probably have to use less uh, energy to, to play. Yeah. And there's so some guys you things. just see play and you're like, man, they're just, you can tell they're just like fluid around the kit. But then other guys I see play and I'm like, man, I just don't know how not even from like a sound thing or like not, I'm not like judging how they're playing. I'm just like, I don't know how they play like that. Yeah. yeah just, so all of those things, you know. Are, are, are part of the, the whole balancing system and the energy that you put into, you know, playing your drums. But, you know, the, the meditations and all of those things, the balancing of your chakras, get massages, you know, of course, mm -hmm. you know, go do some cardio to keep your blood flowing and, you know, your stamina up, you know, because playing every night in a, in a theater or an arena, man, that's that's a lot of stress on your body. Yeah. And you got to you got to be prepared to to take on that task. So. Mm -hmm. You know, I ain't saying you got to look like, you know, Lou Ferrigno or whatever like that. But <laughs> but, you know, you do want to have some 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 strong limbs and, 
you know. Yeah, I mean, you can't go out there all, you know, out of shape. And, you know, that's an athletic event, like going out there and playing exactly. on those stages. Man, sure. we are definitely athletes. Yeah. You know, and I know I'm not in shape like I used to be. So I'm, I'm working on that right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I notice when I'm when I do the workouts or I play basketball every morning now, like mm-hmm. eight o'clock, nine o'clock in the morning. I don't play games because I'm not trying to get hurt. Or, you know, someone trying to be like Jordan and trying to take me down. <laughs> but what I do, I shoot I shoot shots with some of my friends. Like early in the morning, it's about three or four of us will meet up. And we shoot 20 shots around the court. So 20 shots on, the, you know, third at, at the three, uh, th- at the, uh, what is it? Th- uh, the three, three, point, three, point, three line. point line, yeah. And we move around the whole court. 20 shots on each spot. So basically about 100 shots we, we shoot. And that's mm-hmm. that's a lot. That's not like easy, you know, to make 20 shots and, you know, not in a row, but as many as you can get, you know, however many times it takes you to get 20 on each point. Right. We do that. Yeah, that's the difference. The It's not you're not taking 20 shots. You're making 20 shots. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You got to make 20 shots on each point. Yeah. And, and your partners are, are feeding you the ball like, you know, like the NBA players do mm-hmm. when they're warming up. And uh, man, that will do so much for your abs because you're you're pushing the ball up and it's basically you know you're you're, you're pushing your abs to, to shoot so it's you know i'm just giving a, a good exercise to do if you ever if yeah. you ever wanted to try it um but yeah treadmill 30 minutes you know all of that stuff helps when you go to sit down and play because then you're feeling much better you have you know your stamina's stronger sure so all of that stuff takes into play man we're, we're definitely have to keep in mind that we're we're like athletes mm-hmm. what about goal setting do you do any of that goal setting um all the time i mean you know i'm always trying to see what i want to do next like i said with this whole teaching thing and you know being an educator i keep hashtagging in my pictures professor roberts mm-hmm. so i'm putting that out there that you know and i feel that way about myself uh that i am a professor in my own right you know i have a lot of information that you know a lot of people can benefit from so and i give that information out a lot of times for free so how can we make that monetize now you know yeah of course <laughs> and that's that's the point that i'm at now if you know if a university wants to take me in and you know i'm i'm wide open for that opportunity cool and they would be they would be lucky to have you man man thank you so, i know omar hakim my partner omar hakim is over the the uh, drum department at berkeley now yeah yeah, yeah. how's he digging awesome. that i think he likes it i yeah. haven't talked to him since he got in there but we talked about it when he was about to go yeah and um i'm sure he's probably you know enjoying it mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you would move from atlanta well i wouldn't have to move per se because the what, what we were talking about before it sounds like i could do a part-time thing like terry lynn carrington does okay who's another good friend of mine um, she still teaches and goes and does her, her gigs, you know, she mm-hmm. goes overseas and all that stuff and comes back. So they basically work with her schedule. Right. You know, mm-hmm. but who would want to have Terry Lynn Carrington as one, you know, on the staff, <laughs> of course. <you> know? <laughs> right. Or Terrence Blanchard, who's there teaching film scoring. Right. Like, oh right. My God. Or Lil That's John crazy. Roberts. Hey, I'll <laughs> take it. <laughs> Actually, I have, uh, I'm having Terry, I'm interviewing her on Friday. So. Oh sweet! Please yeah. give her my love. I will. She's a she's an awesome lady. I definitely will. And an amazing amazing drummer and just her philosophy, just with everything, is just amazing to me. Yeah, yeah, she's great, yeah. man. She's just amazing player too. Yeah. 
Um, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk. You, we were talking about, a little bit about uh, monetizing things, and this is actually. I remember I sent you a text about this. Uh, uh, man, this was like back in March. So you posted this thing about they're offering a drummer, or they're offering a gig, and it is. Well, let me read this. It says twelve hundred bucks a week for uh, for this gig. It's an RCA artist. And you post it and you were like, are you kidding me? Like 1200 bucks a week is all they're going to, all they're going to pay someone for a major label artist, uh, to go out on the road. And you had, you know, obviously had an issue with it. I wanted to talk about that a little bit and talk about sort of the, the status of like what's going on with touring and how much people are getting paid and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, for some people that that could be cool for someone that's just getting into the business and, and looking for a gig you know, that doesn't have, you know, any reputational resume yet. Um, you know, because when I first got into, like, professionally, like, R&B gigs and all that kind of stuff, I know it was lower than what I should get, you know, but, you know, you got to pay your dues and work your way up, of course. But for someone like me that's been touring all these years and you offer me $1,200 a week, that's no money right. compared to what I would get, you know, for what I'm doing now. But Was this you know, gig it's, it's, offered it's, to you? No, 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 no. Okay, this is this okay. is this is some site that they have out there, um, and basically, you know, they're taking advantage of people. I feel, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know all about this site, but I've had some people reach out to me and tell me that they have been a part of the site, and you know, like as as a musician trying to get work, and they weren't pleased with what the what this agency is doing either. Mm-hmm. You know, basically, yeah. I don't know. I don't know all the ins and outs of it. I'm, I'm not going to say something that I don't know. Right. But from what I see, it just it just doesn't look right to me. Right. right, um, right. Especially if it's for a major label artist too. at that. Like that, that just doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I, I mean, mean it's, it's case by case, you know, I, what I might get, somebody else might not be able to get. But, you know, that that all comes with my reputation, you know, my, my history of who I've worked with and all of, all of those things, though, that adds up to money, mm-hmm. you know, of course. Um, but like I said, someone just coming into the business, you know, they might be happy with $1,200 a week. You know, that's, I, I guess that's more than, than a regular j- job. Maybe. I don't know. A regular nine to five. I don't know what people make at a regular nine to five, like a standard, uh, pay for a week at a, at a job, you know? Right. Well, I mean, a thousand bucks a week is fifty-two thousand dollars a year. So, yeah, yeah, know. that's kind of kind of normal, I guess. Yeah, but, but for all the stuff that you have to do out here for you know the rehearsals, all that kind of, and I think the rehearsal rate was kind of whack too. I, I don't like remember all the details. Oh my god! Like really, bro? Like rehearsals are gonna be eight hours, if not longer. You know, depending on who you're working with, that's that's a lot of time for a little bit of money. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, so, you can play a yeah. bar gig and make more money. You know. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but how do you how do you suggest that people evaluate it, right? So, like, so say someone gets an offer for a gig, and like maybe they're just started getting out, or you know, they've done like a couple tours here and there, and they may hear twelve twelve hundred bucks a week and be like, "Oh man, that's a lot of money," but they don't know that like that's not a lot of money to, to do a tour. How do you, how do you suggest that people evaluate it who haven't been doing this for years? You have, you sort of have a, a reference, you know, a, a place of reference where you can say, hell no, I'm not going to do it for that money. Or this is what I'd normally get. But for younger cats who don't have that. 
Yeah, it's kind of hard for me to speak on that because I, you know, it's a case by case situation, and some some artists pay better than others, you know, mm-hmm. and, and some people will take whatever they're offering. You know, I just I basically at the end of the day, if it's if it's cool for you, if if you think you can survive off of whatever you're making, you know, hey, do it. You know, I think some work is better than no work at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, so, you know, some cats might be hungry and, and need to need to work and, and have to make that sacrifice and take whatever someone's offering. If they're offering twelve hundred dollars a week and versus nothing, you know. I can't I can't steer somebody away from doing that. Of course. You know, but um, there are ways to talk to unions, music unions and find out pay scales. You know, it's like how they do for studio work, you know, a triple scale versus double scale or single scale. There are ways to, to speak to the union to see what's a good uh, standard rate for touring uh, salaries. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that that would be the best way I would say to go and, and research that way. Because I think it hurts. I think it hurts everyone for someone to take a lower paying gig. Like it sets yeah. it sets a different precedent. And I've heard, you know, I've heard stories and and know firsthand from guys who play in major, major, major bands, and they went and asked for a raise, and they're like, "You're capped out, and like you're not going to make any more money. And if you don't want to do it, we'll just get someone else who does." Yeah, that's the problem. Is that that phrase that you said right there? If you're not if you're not cool with it, we can get somebody else. That is so true. I mean, because there is somebody out there that will take that pay cut and say, "Hey, man, I'll do the gig for half of what you're paying him." Mm-hmm. You know, which isn't I don't, I'm not a fan of that. And even like locally, you know, the local musicians that in in every city should you know have a standard uh, pay scale that they go with without going any lower than that. You mm-hmm. know if you know, most of these clubs and things like that can afford to pay you $150, $200, you know, um, and then some of them can pay more. Right. You know, so you just have to gauge it and see what kind of revenue they're they're bringing in. You know, look at the audience, look at how many people are coming, look at the bar, you know, look how much they're, they're making off the bar. If you can, you know, a lot of clubs not going to reveal that to you, mm-hmm. but if you can, if you can gauge a way to see how well that club is doing, you should be able to, you know, make an assessment to how much you feel like you should get for, for the, for the band. Yep. Yeah. You I mean, know, you can but, get the door, you can get a percentage of the sales, you know, you can all get right. <clears throat> whatever. Yeah. Just look deeper, you know, yeah. don't just be happy to just play it somewhere and they, throwing you, you know, chump change for, to, to play for two, three sets a right. night, you know, right. like, come on, make, make it make sense. And then take that, that pay scale and double it for what you're going to do going on tour, you know, cause you should definitely be making more than what you make at home. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. at least double of, of what you're making at home. You should be getting that on the road per, per day, really. You know, there's, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of, a lot of, um, artists pay as a, a day rate. You know, um, you know, and then then they do like a, a pro rate through the week during. So seven out of seven days, you know, they'll pay you a, a weekly salary. And maybe uh, you might have done like a six day week in that one day. You know, they're not counting for because you didn't do anything that day. It was a travel day or something right. like that. So, I mean, that's normal. That's normal right there. But you want to make sure when you say yes to a, a gig that you make sure that that salary, that that weekly salary uh, adds up to, you know, the 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 daily pay scale that you would you would get. 
Mm-hmm. You know, if I get $500 a day, that's $3,500 a week. You know, so that's the cap, but you still have to, you'll get prorated sometimes because you might not work every night. Right. Right, right, right. You know, so then you get paid like, what do they say, a, 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 a day and a half or something, you know, like, mm-hmm. or, or you get a half day, you know, so I get 250 for a day that I'm not um, uh, working and I'm traveling. And I'm mm-hmm. just throwing just a, a regular number out there. Right, but, right. You know, that's something to gauge it from. Mm-hmm. Do you think that we'll ever get to standardized pay for touring musicians? Do you think we can ever get to that? That's a good question, bro. I, I'm not the one to answer that. I really don't know. I mean, I would hope so. <laughs> I mean, you look at it like if you play in the NBA or you play in the MLB or something like that, there's a league minimum, right? And then you can negotiate your salary from there. But like, you know, I feel like if you're in the union and you play and you tour with a band and you're playing at a club between 18,000 people and 20,000 people, then you should get X amount of dollars. And at least that should be your minimum and you should be able to negotiate from there. I mean, in a perfect world, that would be great. Yeah. Not everybody thinks like that. Not all managements, you know, artists that you're working for, not all of them, you know, you gotta, you gotta know your value for one thing. Right. And you gotta, you gotta work with an artist that cares about you. (laughs) <laughs> right. Well, let Which me ask you this: hard though. to come across sometimes. Like, would you play in the NBA for fifty-five thousand dollars a year? Fifty-five thousand dollars a year? Hell no. Yeah, because you'd be like everybody else makes five hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. <laughs> right. Right. So yeah. if they started telling people, "We'll pay you fifty grand a year or fifty-five thousand dollars a year to play in the NBA," soon the NBA would not have any players. And they would be playing baseball and they would be playing football and they'd be doing all these other things. I look at it that way. Like if all of a sudden everyone's like, hey, do you want to go on tour and play with ABC band? And it's like, how much do you pay? Uh, $750 a week. Nope. Right. Sorry. Well, we're not going to do it. I'd say I'd say get get a good manager then to speak for you. Yeah. And not everybody wants to, you know, not every not all managements want to speak to a third party to represent you. And, you know, hey. That's their prerogative if that's how they want to roll. Right. But you can actually have somebody speak for you or a lawyer. You don't have to have just a manager. I have a great lawyer, uh, mm-hmm. Kendall Mentor in, um, in Atlanta, and I always let him see my contracts with whoever I'm with, TV shows or whatever. I let him look over it first and let me know, like, okay, this looks legit, John, or whatever. You know, or, John, mm-hmm. I think you could get more in this situation. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's just good to have that backing. Yeah. It would just yeah. be an interesting thing if if talent started to dry up if you weren't paying them, you know? It's like yeah. all of a sudden it's like, oh, you can't get Lil John anymore because you're not paying enough and you can't get Brian and you can't get this guy and you can't get that guy. Oh, we got to go to a second tier player. Oh, they're not going to do it for that amount of money either. Now we got some dude who's junk and, you know, like can't get a gig in his hometown. You're going to bring this guy on tour with you? No. Yeah, you get you definitely get what you pay for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, some artists don't care about that, you know, yeah. and that's that's sad, you know, because I would think that if I was an artist, I would want the best in my camp. Of course. You know, because they make me look good, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't not everybody thinks like that. But those are the people that I don't choose to to work with anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. Maybe I'll be the guy who leads up some collective bargaining agreement for musicians for touring. That would be great if that happened. Then, it then would, it be would be amazing. Stan- it would be a standard that you'd have to abide by. Right. 
Right. It's you like know. you're a drummer. You're going on how many dates you playing? X amount of day. Okay. There's a calculation. Boom. You get four thousand dollars a week. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. It doesn't matter yeah. who you hire. I mean, that's who. That's what you get. The pay scale is not the same like it used to be anyway. I mean, Michael Jackson was paying you know at least ten G's or not more a week. You know, right. or you got Rolling Stones that'll pay you forty grand a week or something. You know, right, like right, right. so. But those are very high profile gigs and you know there's still high profile gigs out here now that still even though they're paying good it's not great mm-hmm. you know i know some of these artists that you know what they're paying and i'm like mm. and you're selling out arenas and and playing some stadiums too and right. you're paying what yeah. like yeah that's yeah not good yeah <laughs> No, but no, you gotta, you gotta, stories. you gotta, like, gotta weigh it out, you know, because you're not the artist, and you have to see what's going to work for you and your lifestyle. You know, if if I'm getting four or five grand a week, I can live off of four or five grand a week. I'm yeah. not mad at that, right? You know, um, but you know, like I said, it just has to be something that's going to be cool for you. You have to make sure you're good, right? All right, right. agree, my man. Yep. Well, uh, I think I'm going to wrap it, wrap up, uh, what's this number three, the third session on the podcast, man. I appreciate you coming on again. You, you're always so generous with your time, man. I do appreciate it. And I want to congratulate you on the centering that you've been, that you've been getting in your life and, and moving into this new chapter, as you said, a new phase of your life. I think that's exciting. And I know that you have a ton of information to give and anyone who's lucky enough to study with you or learn from you or have a chance to talk to you like I have, uh, they are definitely lucky to be able to do that. So thanks for everything, man. I appreciate it. Man, thank you, Nick. I appreciate you. Of course, man. And I will talk to you soon. Be well and uh, safe travels when you're on the road. Thanks, bro. All right, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. I told you. I told you we get deep, but that's a little John Roberts for you because my man has got a ton of knowledge. And he got that from touring all around the world for years and years and years with the greatest musicians in the world. So heed his advice for sure. And for the stuff that we talk about, about centering and some other things that that John brings up, you can check them out in the show notes by going to drummersresource.com forward slash session 411. Of course, it's for 11 because it's Lil John Roberts and it has to have an 11 in it. And also, if you want to check out his other episodes, they're at episode 37 and episode 77. You can check those out as well. Obviously, 100% free everywhere. Uh, iTunes, Stitcher, iTunes, or um, Google Play, all that fun stuff. So check it out. Episodes 37 and 77. You want the show notes on this? Drummersresource.com forward slash session 411. Until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be talking to you soon. Peace. Peace.